0: This program is brought to you by Grand Valley State University. The interviewer is James Smither of Grand Valley State University. Mr. Yonor, can you begin by uh, giving us a little bit of background uh, on yourself? Uh, To start with, where and when were you born?
1: I was born 3821 in Adrian, Michigan on a farm just outside of town. Okay. And uh, did you grow up on that farm? No. At three years old, my folks moved into Ansted, Michigan. And why did they do that? Well, my dad was a butcher, and he had a butcher store a grocery store. Mm-hmm.
0: And did he, was he able to keep that uh, through the 30s?
1: No. He died in uh, 29, mm-hmm. when I was seven years old. He, uh, he had uh broken uh, appendix. Mm-hmm. In a little town, they didn't have the Indeed. doctors that knew what was there until mm-hmm. after it was, was broken and then he had to go to the hospital in Adrian. And, but he didn't make it. There was not all of the penicillins and stuff that they have now.
0: Right. Now, were there other children in your family too?
1: I had a brother two years younger and a brother four years older and a sister five years older.
0: So then what did your family do then after your father died?
1: Well, we stayed at the, at the store for about a year. And my mother couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then about that same time my grandmother had died, and we moved to to my grandfathers in Clayton, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And we lived with them one year. And uh, then we were by ourselves about a year, and then we moved to Adrian. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where I went through the rest of grade school and junior and senior high school.
0: Okay, so did you graduate from high school then? Yes. Okay, and when did you graduate?
1: 1939. Okay.
0: Uh, now, once you graduated, what did you do?
1: Well, that was, uh, uh, well, let's see, I went to work. Mm-hmm. And I worked uh, mainly helping a, a contractor who did Painting and plumbing and wall repairing and stuff of all kinds.
0: Did you still live with your mother at that point? Yes. Okay. Uh, And were you able to kind of keep doing that work regularly for the next couple of years, or did you change jobs?
1: Oh, I did did that work for a while. Then I went to work for a manufacturing outfit that, uh, where they're putting some big additions on the buildings. Mm Mm-hmm. And I worked there uh, most of two years, I guess. First year, uh, my mother got sick. And so she, she couldn't work. And uh, mm-hmm. I worked long hours, uh, seven days a week. Right. And, uh I asked her to give me ten hours a week for money for the spend on the car and mm-hmm. seventeen dollars to pay on the payment on the car and the rest of it was hers All Right, for that entire fall away into the spring.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now what were you doing at the time uh, Pearl Harbor happened?
1: I was working there. Uh, well that must have been about the end of the time that I worked at the Factors. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you remember how you heard about the war starting? No. Okay. Now, before America got into the war, uh, were you paying any attention to what was going on in the world? Did you know there was a war going on in Europe and all of that?
1: Oh yes, I knew what was going on. I had a civics teacher in high school who beat it into you. Mm-hmm. Know what's going on? Know the to read the, the, all of the articles you can. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, were you thinking that sooner or later we were probably going to get into it, and maybe you were going to get into it too, or were you not really thinking about that?
1: Well, oh, I was thinking yes <coughs> that way. a uh, little before that, I had appendicitis operation, mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't have any insurance, so I had to pay for that in my mm-hmm. hospital and doctor, and uh, then. Uh, yeah, I thought about go, uh, going in the service, but my mother was a didn't like the idea, mm-hmm. and because uh, there was three of us boys mm-hmm. and a brother-in-law, and so I waited till I was 21. Then I went down, and told them I was ready to go, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were taking. Mostly fellows that were up close to 38 years old at that time. Right. They took the oldest ones first.
0: Okay. Now, uh, so you had not had a draft notice or anything like that at that point? No. All right. And so when did you enlist?
1: April of uh,
0: '42. All mm-hmm. All right. And then once you enlisted,
1: uh, where did they send you? I went to the Detroit for induction. Mm-hmm. And then went from uh Detroit. Uh, we went to Fort Sill.
0: Okay. Fort Sill, Fort Sill Oklahoma. Oklahoma. That uh, was kind of the Army's artillery school out there. Yes. All right. Now, did they just assign you to the artillery, or did you get to pick in
1: some <laughs> you way? Went, you went down a line of guys, mm-hmm. and big and tall, mixed up, and they'd right. say, mule pack, horse drum, mule pack, horse drawn, depending on your size.
0: Okay. So once you got to Fort Sill, that was what they were doing with you? All right, and then what did they assign you to? Uh, the mule pack. All right. Uh, what were they using
1: mules for? Actually, we we did have some troops that fought in Italy with mules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was more of a, t- a place to train mm-hmm. uh, than anything else. Just to, they're having some guys, some many guys coming into the service at the time. Mm-hmm. They put them wherever they they had room for them to train.
0: Okay. But why were they using mules? What were they for?
1: well, because you could go through terrain you couldn 't pick trucks or stuff for mm-hmm.
0: okay uh, now had you ever worked with mules or horses before? Well, oh,
1: I had worked on a farm yes mm-hmm. but uh well it's quite different than than farm horses they, uh everything was you did you did in keep the mules ready to go keep them in good shape all the time if you went on a trip or a forced march or mm-hmm. anything first thing you did when you got through was uh, rub those mules down and clean up the harnesses and uh, before you uh, did anything for yourself
0: all right uh, how well behaved were the mules I mean did they cooperate and do what they were supposed to
1: most of the time uh, <laughs> Was one incident where we it started storming and we we had to go out in a big big uh, barnyard uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of buildings and stuff and get catch the mules and they always had halters on mm-hmm. and take them back inside the buildings. Well, I got a hold of a, a mule that I had a rope from his halter. Started go, one building was full. I started to go out of that building toward the next building and a big clap of lightning hit and that mm-hmm. mule jumped in the air. <laughs> I tried to hang on to him and he swung way right around like this and I hit the side of the barn and mm-hmm. let go. And I don't know what happened to the mule, but somebody else probably got him.
0: Okay. Now, uh, let's kind of go to sort of the beginning of basic training. You, you, you get out to Fort Sill. Um, what kind of drill and stuff did you get when you got there? What kind of basic training did they give oh,
1: you? Oh, you get all of the normal things for basic for basic training, <coughs> marching and following orders. It's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that is done for training is to try to get you to follow commands as, you, as soon as they're made. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and now, how easy or hard was it for you to adjust
0: to doing that? Oh, it wasn't hard. Were there people there who had more
1: trouble or got in a lot of trouble? Oh, to some extent, yes. Uh, <coughs> like I said, uh, I was in training with a, quite a few men that were older, mm-hmm. and quite a few of them had soft jobs, mm-hmm. and they couldn't take it, they had to drop off.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea what happened to them or where they went? Were they allowed out of the Army or just assigned somewhere else? Assigned somewhere else, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, where were the men in your unit you were training with from? Were they all over the country or mostly from certain places?
1: Well, from a, quite a number of spots. Uh, uh, quite a few came from Detroit, Michigan and, and in other places in Michigan. And then there was uh, a number from the southern states, too. Mm-hmm. That were was pretty well mixed up.
0: Okay, uh, now. Did they have sort of a, a, a basic training first and then artillery training, or did they mix the artillery stuff in all the time? Well, the basic training probably came for the first couple of weeks mm-hmm. and, then, and then started mixing in, yes. Okay. Now, what kinds of things were you doing by way of artillery training? What What were you learning to do?
1: Well, <coughs> you had to learn to take care of the guns. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was a 175 howitzer, and I learned how to divide up the they they uh, broke down the gun into so that it would pack on six mm-hmm. mules mm-hmm. and uh, you know how, how to pack them and how to tighten up the cinches and so right. forth and, and uh the uh i uh, they had them assigned different guys for to lead a mule and different guys i didn't get assigned anything i was the gunner mm-hmm. and so uh when we went on to force marches, I took quite a few pictures just running off to the mm-hmm. side and coming back, things that I had never seen either, buffalo and, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty countryside. Well, then we, we did this quite a while. One time we were on a force march with, a, with the mules and went through a, a small river and went up the other side and it was quite steep. And one of the mules slipped and slipped backward into the river. Well, you had to be sure he kept his head above water, so mm-hmm. somebody always had, had him out of the head, to he? right. he keep his head above the water. Then there were others getting his pack off from him, mm-hmm. and then we carried the pack up up the bank, and the mule went empty for, till we got up on, on level ground, and then we had to repack him.
0: All right. Uh, sounds like a pretty good adventure there. Uh, now, how much um, actual training did you get firing the weapon? I mean, you're, you're the gunner. Did you get a lot of target practice or that kind of thing?
1: Yes, we did. We did quite a little as, as time went on, you know. Mm-hmm. Thirteen weeks was was a pretty good length of time for basic training.
0: Right. Okay. So you're there at Fort Sill for thirteen weeks. Uh, you're doing this kind of training, and then what did you do next?
1: Well. Uh, after, after that was over with, then uh, a group of us got sent to, to the beginning of the 215th Field Artillery Battalion, mm-hmm. and it was collecting men from all over Right, And uh, then we, we commenced uh, glider training. Alright, and were you still at
0: Fort Sill at this point, or had they sent you somewhere else? No, no, we were at, uh, we were at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Okay, alright, and you start glider training. Well, tell us about that, what was going on there?
1: Well, we were the first unit that got involved with gliders. All, basically, all we did was try to train ourselves uh, uh, to load those gliders. Mm-hmm. And we had to learn to tie them down in certain spots on the, on the glider so that the stuff wouldn't move, shift. And uh, we did it in wooden walk-ups at first, mm-hmm. we didn't have the glider itself, but just a wooden walk-up that we...
0: It was sort of a big old box that was the right size? Yeah,
1: it was the right All size.
0: Right. Now, what were you loading on, on the gliders, was this artillery?
1: Uh, we loaded uh, men first to see mm-hmm. where they could get them seated, you know. Right. And then we loaded ammunition with mm-hmm. piled in the center and, and tied down. It had to be tied down real good. And we had to do that, know what we were doing well have to do it all in the dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it, we we put a trailer in there, but we never put the Jeep itself in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you put the, the guns on there? The, 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 yes. Okay. The, the, of course. Uh, the well. five howitzers were. No,
0: yeah. they were 75 millimeter howitzers. Se- 75 They're relatively small guns. Those are the same ones that you were taking apart and putting on the mules. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so we had you, and you were putting them on the gliders, kind of in pieces, the way you would and, with and the mules. No, or, the whole thing would go in there. Or, or, or were they all put together before you put them on the plane? Yes. All right, now um, how much time did you spend doing that? How long were you at Fort
1: Bragg? Well, we were there, we must have been there about a year and a half or so, I don't All know, right, so. well
0: that's a pretty long time to stay in one place, and a lot right. of other guys were shipping out and going other places, yeah. and you're still there. Uh, did you get a chance um, to go on leave or on liberty while you were based at Fort Bragg?
1: Yes, I had, to, after I'd been in the service just over a year. I had a week to go home. Mm-hmm.
0: And did you go back to Michigan then? Yes. Okay. And what yeah. was it like to go back after a year yeah. in the Army?
1: Well, after I had been there a short time in the mule pack, I was friends with a fellow who lived on a farm up near Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he asked me if I wanted to write to a girl. And I said, well, sure, I'll mm-hmm. write to her. And it was a, a girl who lived across the street from his wife. Mm-hmm. So I walked wrote to her all the rest of the time and then eventually married her. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I, when I got the furlough, I decided that if I didn't go up there first, I wouldn't go, mm-hmm. probably. So I <laughs> took the bus route around by Garden Rapids and back to Adrian. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So you had that week, and then you're eventually you're, you're back there again in Fort Bragg. Did you uh, go off the base in Fort Bragg much or go into town or anything like that?
1: Oh, sometimes, yes, but uh, I wasn't interested in looking for women or, mm-hmm. or drinking, so I did, didn't go most of the time.
0: Were you near a town? Is that near a town of any size, or was it pretty well out in the country?
1: Oh, uh, uh, no, let's see. I think it was Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not, too far. not
0: a real big town, big enough to get some of the guys in trouble, but not uh, that interesting, maybe otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, did you wind up staying with uh, glider units or things like that, or did your battalion just become a regular artillery battalion at some point?
1: No. <coughs> As we went along, then uh, we went to a cadre of us, mm-hmm. went to uh, Alliance, Nebraska. And there we get contact with the officers of the 182nd Airborne Division. and, the, No. 82nd Airborne Division. And, yeah, and 101st? 101st. Mm-hmm. And we trained those officers what we knew about the gliders and loading and everything mm-hmm. else. All right. Now, did you have real gliders by this time? Yes.
0: All right. And did they actually practice landing them with these loads in them? Yes. Yes. All right. And so how well did you do? Well, we did
1: pretty well Uh, on one big mission, or you might call it, uh, we had quite, I forgot the number, but quite a number of them, Mm -hmm. gliders, and uh, only one was completely broken up.
0: Mm Now, were there people getting uh, injured in accidents in these gliders and that kind of thing?
1: That was the idea that we would that the C-47s would be equipped with stretchers and things that could mm-hmm. you could uh, put injured people in and take them back.
0: All right. So you've got C-47s, regular twin-engine transport planes, as well as the gliders. Now, did you load the C-47s too? Yes. Okay. What would you put on them?
1: Well, when we took them in. We, we put ammunition and, and uh, jeeps at some of them. Okay,
0: you have to explain how you would get a jeep onto one of these planes. I mean, the C 47, I think, is a military version of the old DC 3. Yes. And kind of they're sort of regular early passenger type, type plane. Where do you put a jeep on there? How do you get it on?
1: Well, they, there was a fairly large door in the back. Mm hmm. <coughs> and it, we had to roll it up. We could drive it up the skids. Mm hmm. All right, and so the front end of it stuck into the light. Okay. And then we had, to, from there, most of the weight was through the doorway, but then we had to lift it and shift it, shift mm-hmm. it sideways. As we went in, and the driver was kept turning, and we kept shifting the thing to get it through the doorway.
0: Now, once you got the thing in, assuming the C-47 gets where it's supposed to go and it lands, how do you get the Jeep out? The same way. Okay. So you have to go jiggle it, shimmy it out first, and, and then you can drive it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, now, at what point did you finish working with these airborne units? How far along was that?
1: Well, let's see the dates. Probably, probably until late late
0: in 43. And then once you finished with that duty, did you return to
1: your battalion then? Uh, yes, uh, for a short time, mm-hmm. and then they switched us over to 155 officers. Okay. and then the whole battalion was, was 155.
0: Okay, so you became essentially a regular heavy artillery battalion rather than a specialized airborne unit. Yes. Uh, do you have any idea why they did that?
1: Well, I think because they, they were not having any success with those mm-hmm. gliders, okay, and so they didn't figure they were going to use them, and they, the 155 howitzers were the favorite of mm-hmm. General Patton, who mm-hmm. was the head of the Army. And all right, so you get those, all right. Uh, now
0: does, did your battalion stay at Fort Bragg while it was training on the 155s, or did you move someplace else?
1: Uh, I can't remember dates. That's
0: not particularly important. Uh, Now, at a certain point, you're going to ship out uh, and, and go over to Europe. When did that happen? Was it sort of fall 44, was it after D-Day, or? Uh, uh, yes, it was right after D-Day. Okay. Um, now where did they ship you out from? From uh, New York. Uh, okay. And what kind of ship were you on? A Liberty ship. All right. And did you have your guns on the ship with you, or were they somewhere else? No, they went somewhere else. They didn't go
1: always. Okay. We didn't go together. Mm-hmm by accident, I guess, uh, we got to England, and then we went to France, and we didn't have any guns. Okay. Let's back
0: up a little bit here. Uh, what was that ocean voyage like?
1: Yeah, <laughs> Well, it was slow. Mm-hmm. The, the ships are slow, and they had to do a lot of zigzagging right. and so forth, and uh, I think the convoy we were in lost one ship to, to Germany. Okay, Submarines. so there were there were submarine alerts then.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, how was the weather when you were going across?
1: The weather wasn't too bad. You know, it was rough
0: sometimes, but okay. not real bad. But it was summer. You weren't in the middle of yeah. the really bad weather at that point. No. Okay. Uh, where did they land you in England? We. Or
1: Scotland or where'd you go? <laughs> no, we didn't go to Scotland. We went to. <laughs> I can't remember the town. On the. Could have been the. Was it
0: along the, the, the. like Liverpool or Bristol or someplace like that? Or was it along the south, the Channel coast?
1: No, it was on the other side. And then we left on the Channel coast and. we landed at, at La Havre,
0: okay. France. Okay. You landed at La Havre, and about when do you think you went over to France? <coughs>
1: Well, we were there uh, about a week before we all of our stuff got caught up, Mm -hmm. and then we went. Okay, and then
0: what uh, larger group was your battalion assigned to?
1: Well, we we had been assigned earlier to uh, uh, the core artillery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then. We never knew what outfit we would be with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that list on the map shows all the different outfits that were concerned with the Battle of the Boat, of
0: right. So you're basically a reserve artillery unit within the Third Army? Was that? Yeah. So you
1: were sort of answering to Patton ultimately? At yes. That point. Uh, but it, as artillery, orders came through the Corps artillery mm-hmm. to go and help this group. Right. This group was back okay. and
0: forth. Now, uh, what did France look like to you when you got there?
1: Well, there was a lot of buildings everything of course, all smashed up and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Uh, did you see much of the civilian
0: population there?
1: No. Okay. No. So we had, I think I had a three day pass to go to Paris. Mm hmm. One time, we—I didn't spend any money of mine. Mm-hmm. The army gave me cigarettes. Uh, okay, issued so much cigarettes every month. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't smoke, so I saved the cigarettes. And when I got to France, I sold the cigarettes, the paper, everything. I did.
0: All right. Uh, well, what did you? What do you do in Paris if you're not drinking and carousing?
1: Oh, well, went to the. Like the amusement parks, and mm-hmm. and, and I went. Boy, I did go to, yeah, a burlesque show. Mm-hmm. That sort of the burlesque show there was beautiful. The coloring and stuff. Yeah,
0: very very big fancy stage shows. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, where would you sleep when you were in Paris?
1: Went in a in
0: a hotel. Okay. And so your your cigarettes covered that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, did you buy any presents for anybody, like your girlfriend back home?
1: No, the only thing was for a pretty little dress for my niece. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's about the only thing I bought, so. Alright.
0: Okay. Now,
1: um, do you remember about what time
0: of year it was when you actually got to France? Was it in the fall? Uh, or? It was fall, yes. Okay. And then where was uh, your battalion first stationed?
1: I don't. We. we, I don't remember that we were stationed Mm -hmm. anywhere. From that point on, we kept moving.
0: Just moved around. Uh, Did you sleep in tents most of the time, or did they find buildings for you?
1: Well, no. We we were supposed to dig Mm foxholes and big enough to get in under the level of the ground. Right. And uh, and we did most of the time. But then there were times when we. But not everybody did it. Mm -hmm. We had a kitchen crew that decided they didn't need to get in there. And three of them got killed that night Mm -hmm. because they were not underground. All right. Uh,
0: How long was it, uh, once you were in France, before your battalions started to go into action and start shooting at people?
1: Oh, quite soon. Okay.
0: Uh, Do you remember the first time that you actually had to use the guns in a battle?
1: Uh, No, not not too well. No.
0: Okay. Uh, How does it actually work for you? I mean, were you still a gunner at that point? No, I was
1: chief of section. Okay. And so, what were your duties? I was the leader of a a artillery section. Gun section. and There was four gun sections, and each uh, each battery, battery, yeah, Bat- well, and then there was four batteries in in a battalion, mm-hmm. and and then there was uh, maintenance sections and radio sections and that sort of thing. Okay, and it was. I I always thought the the job of the chief of section was more or less a. Babysitter. I mm-hmm. never particularly liked that because you had to keep track of all the guys whether they rode home, mm-hmm. whether they were brushing their teeth, whether they're uh, getting to bed, and, or mm-hmm. whether they got it back in after they had been out. And, and uh, sometimes we we uh, when you get to go to town and you'd, you'd be somebody that would get drunk and mm-hmm. couldn't get home. I had a well, I was in town and. and one of them did, and and then there's another sergeant from another uh, C battery, and we practically carried that guy mm-hmm. because he couldn't stand up, but he was uh, he was awake enough to whenever he'd see a woman start yelling, you mm-hmm. know, and we tried to choke him down, you know.
0: Now by this time were you mostly serving with men who were younger than you were?
1: Uh, no, n- uh, not as much. There mm-hmm. was some older men, but they had sort of uh, eliminated the biggest share of the real mm-hmm. older ones. I mean. right. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, so you sort of had more kids then and people who needed babysitting. Yeah. Okay. Well that's okay when you're not in action. Now, if there was a fight going on and you are using the guns, uh, what was your job? I
1: I was had to see that everything was running right. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the gunner then that he was getting his things set up right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a, a corporal who was in charge of uh,
0: the
1: ammunition. Mm-hmm. The ammunition corporal, and he was to see that his jobs got done.
0: And. Now, did you have a radio operator who could tell you how to adjust your
1: firing and things like that? Uh, no, it all come down. Uh, it, the, we were close enough together, so it came to the There's a forward observer, mm-hmm. and the forward observer called back, right. and the unit lieutenants took those orders and, and gave them to the... Okay. So the forward observers report to the battery?
0: Yeah. And then the battery command then tells the sections what to do? Yeah. Okay. Um, now, how quickly could they fire that gun? It didn't
1: take very long. Uh, the first thing was, of course, to get the thing. We had sticks set out 50 feet, 100 feet away from the gun. Mm-hmm. You sighted on those. All and right. then from those quarters, you, you worked from those. Mm-hmm. Whether well, you went left or right or up or down or... Uh, and <coughs> we, had, we had to see that everything was set up just right. Well, mm-hmm. it didn't take very long because you were trained to to do quickly right. as you could. But it, it was, I had to check to make sure that everything was set, mm-hmm. and gave the the, the, the lieutenants in charge with call for, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Well, everybody reported back, yes, right. sir. Uh, and so then we got the order to fire. Mm-hmm. You know? And of course, it was a big explosion when that thing went off. Right. We Did they uh, have
0: ear protection for the artillerists?
1: W- we didn't have, no. Oh. We, we ducked their heads and opened our mouths, and it uh, kind of make it a little easier. You know? mm-hmm.
0: And did you have men who would get busted eardrums or things like that?
1: No, no, I don't think we had anybody that got busted eardrums, no.
0: But what would the effect of the, that, that noise be? You know, or why would you
1: open your mouth? Uh, well, and the, the concussion of the thing mm-hmm. was let the sound go through right. your system. Okay.
0: Now, once you were firing and you were on target about how many rounds uh, in, in a minute could they
1: fire well sometimes we could get a mission that said uh, fire at will mm-hmm. well then you loaded up fire load up fire mm-hmm. uh, and other times you had a we did a fire mission where you had to they had a timing device at the end of the projectile mm-hmm And you could set that for just a time Mm -hmm. that you before it would go off after it was fired, Mm -hmm. and some of them you uh, you didn't set that to let it it go off when it had hit something Mm -hmm. impact, but they found out that if they timed this so that they would go off in the air, that they got a more people hurt by a shower of metal going down.
0: All right. Uh, now your unit winds up getting caught up in, in, in the Battle of the Bulge campaign. You're kind of involved through all of that. Uh, what was actually going on, or what did you and your unit wind up doing in that period, kind of December into January,
1: 44-45? Well, we were in the uh, Ardennes mountains, mm-hmm. and it was very, very cold and snow and mm-hmm. ice, and when we went into The winter uh, we didn't have any boots, and our feet would get wet, and Mm -hmm. and, uh, you had to be careful to uh, try to keep them from freezing. Right. I always carried some some socks inside of my shirt, Mm -hmm. so they would dry. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, and as soon as you got a chance, you change socks, put uh, in the shoes, so it helped. Did the managing unit have a lot of
0: problems then with frostbite or trench foot or other things like that? And we had
1: uh, uh, yes, we had a lieutenant who froze his feet and had to go back and mm-hmm. we never saw him again. And the his driver, uh, that was a forward observer. Mm-hmm. And his driver moved it up so that he didn't he didn't get frozen. Mm-hmm. Were they sleeping in the Jeep or were they? the uh, no, foxholes. Okay. And they were in an area at the bulge where they couldn't get out, mm-hmm. and so they just stayed there for, oh, it wasn't too long before the rest of the troops came on. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh,
0: now, did you have to do a lot of moving around then in that campaign? Were they moving your battalion from place to place, or did you set up in one spot and stay there a long time?
1: No, no. We moved a great deal. Mm-hmm. We moved. Anywhere that that uh, where there was help needed to, mm-hmm. to furnish
0: firepower. Okay. Now, how dangerous was that? As work, were you being attacked by the Germans either through bombardment or aircraft or anything like that? Oh yes, oh yes. Uh,
1: the Germans had a their favorite gun, and it was a really good gun. Was a uh, the 88, mm-hmm. and uh, it was on tracks, it was mobile, it could move fast, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was hard to catch up with, really. I mean, they would come into a position, and <coughs> they, they did, one night, they start firing on you, and, and uh, you didn't know where it was at first, but mm-hmm. of course, you, you found out. But uh, but they could move those things so fast they, they, they could really move out and get to some other spot somewhere mm-hmm. else.
0: Well, an 88 was primarily either an anti-aircraft weapon or a direct fire weapon. Uh, but were they using indirect fire against your artillery when they're shooting up in the air to have it land on you?
1: Well, some of it was that, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, they had regular artillery, too. How could you? How would you know what was shooting at you?
1: <laughs> well, the, the lieutenant, I sold it, was a, our forward observer and his driver. His driver was kind of a crazy guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but, but every time when those, the shell would go up, you'd go running off and try to find pieces of it. So we'd mm-hmm. bring it back and, and have somebody decide what shells right. they
0: were shooting Okay, so you'd know what was shooting at yeah. you then. All right. Uh, now, did your unit take a lot of casualties in this period? I mean, was the enemy shooting at you and that kind of thing?
1: Uh, uh, n- not an exceptional lot. No, mm-hmm. we had some, but not, not overwhelmed.
0: Okay. I mean, you you had your, your your cooks or whatever who didn't want to go in foxholes. Was that in the bulge when that happened, or was that earlier? Or? No.
1: Oh, well, that was. I think that was just before, mm-hmm. just before the bulge. Okay. Now, as you were
0: moving around in that area in the Ardennes, and you're Unit history has you going back and forth quite a bit through Luxembourg and then farther north uh, as the campaign goes on. Uh, what kind of evidence did you see of the battle that had been going on? I mean, what signs were there that there had been a big fight there?
1: Well, there were lots of uh, blown up machinery and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, like the truck or it might be a... We, we had tracks that was driven on... on uh, Steel tracks, so mm-hmm. cleats on them. You know, to pull a gun. At one point, it was so slippery that we had to go without a guns for several days until mm-hmm. they went back to the uh, maintenance ordinance and, and uh, that's where they we first we got the cleats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big cleats in the tracks were so wide. And, uh, uh, and then the, the, the big thick cleats in mm-hmm. that was that would dig in and that was a during the time they were gone we had we had to pull a gun with
0: with trucks hmm well wouldn't the trucks have real problems
1: with the ice and the snow oh yeah they did they had trouble but they they did have some traction because of Mm -hmm. The cleats on the tires. Okay, so they had the cleats on the tires, so it's like
0: having studs or snow tires or whatever to to drive that with. All right. Uh, Now, were there any problems involved with firing artillery and so forth when it was really cold like that? Could the guns freeze up or anything? Uh,
1: No, we didn't have any trouble with them freezing up, but we did have to be careful to clean them real good Mm -hmm. whenever we fired. We had to clean them. Okay.
0: Right now. Once the Germans are pretty well pushed out of the Bulge in middle of January or so of of '45, did your unit just continue to go around to different places? Did they move you to a different sector eventually, or what happened with your unit after that?
1: Well, uh, after the war was, uh, the Battle of the Bulge Of course, there was still some war going on for a Mm -hmm. while. Right. But then. We got uh, shifted to a uh, discharging. We went down into Austria and a big prison camp set up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there they had German interrogators who were interrogating all those prisoners as Mm -hmm. fast as they could. And if they had any sign at all of SS troops, Then they were kept, and then we had to take them to another camp, and uh, the people were ordinary soldiers. They just uh, let them go Mm -hmm. on their way, they gave them some food and stuff. Okay. Well, that's sort of at the
0: end of the war, but you've got a number of months there in between. So what was your unit doing in the early months of 45 before the war ended? Early months of 45. Because the map has you going up to the Maastricht area, the Netherlands, and then across the Rhine into Germany. Yes. And so were you with the unit doing those things?
1: Uh, yes. Those were still times when the war was going. Mm-hmm. On. Yes.
0: And was the experience any different in those later stages of the war? Did things change in terms of what you did or how you operated or what the Germans were doing?
1: Well, uh, at that point it wasn't the hard winter that it had mm-hmm. been earlier, and uh, so it was a little easier that way. Uh, we were at the point where we crossed the Rhine River. We expected a lot of resistance, mm-hmm. and uh, so the the bridges had been blown mostly, mm-hmm. and the engineers had set up pontoon to go across the right. road and I don't know why but we got to be the first one to go across and they told us to go across our section, our gun, mm-hmm. get set up so we could fire in a pretty good range uh, open space Right. And, uh, and then they would send the rest across. So we got all set up And we never did have to. We didn't get fired on, Mm -hmm. and we didn't have to fire any over there until the rest got across.
0: All right. Now, how easy or hard was it to get the guns across on a pontoon bridge? Well,
1: it wasn't wasn't exactly easy, but it went pretty well. Mm -hmm. You know, things were kind of shifting around. Okay.
0: Did you have the the tractors pulling them across, or trucks, or what were you using?
1: The tractors.
0: All right. Okay. Uh, Now, once you were across the Rhine, I mean, was your unit engaged very much,
1: or were you mostly just moving around? Well, we did, uh, we moved around a lot, we still didn't move around. We didn't always stay very long Mm -hmm. with one unit until we had changed the, uh, our attack that helped the rest of them get on, and then Mm -hmm. we moved to another spot. Mm -hmm. You, you noticed on the map all the list of places where we stopped. Mm-hmm.
0: I noticed that sort of in part of northern Germany they bark a number of places where there were battles or engagements, there were still Germans shooting back once in a while. Yeah. All right. uh, now throughout the period there when the war was going on, did you ever get attacked by German aircraft or did you just get artillery?
1: No, we did
0: get some German aircraft, yeah. Uh, and would they come at night or during the day? or?
1: Usually uh, during the day. Not much happened at Mm -hmm. night.
0: Yeah. And were there very many of them, or just a few at a time? Uh,
1: Just a few at a time, mostly. Of course, our air forces and stuff had were getting control of Mm -hmm. them.
0: Okay. Uh, Now, did you, as you were? As the war was kind of winding down, you're going into Germany, and then eventually you're down. You're actually dealing with, with German prisoners. You're going to start to see a lot of what's left of the German army. What impression did you have of the German soldiers once you saw them?
1: Well, they were <laughs> the average run of them who were, uh, who were just ordinary people, mm-hmm. just ordinary fellows, and they were not ex. Extremely expert, or Mm -hmm. uh, but the SS troops Mm -hmm. were the highlight of of the right German armies, and they were very, very strict, very uh, military, and everything they did. And any time any anybody came near them, the German people even, Mm -hmm. uh, they they just demanded the best of everything. Mm And did they,
0: did they look like they were better fed or supported or supplied than the ordinary soldiers were?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Now The, the, or, the, the regular soldiers, um, were they mostly kind of standard military age or were there a lot who were younger or older? There were
1: a lot of younger ones. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of younger ones. And at one time we ran across a lot of horse-drawn mm-hmm. uh, artillery that, right. that they had used.
0: Yeah. Well, the Germans had a lot of horse-drawn. Stuff throughout the whole war, you associate them with the tanks and stuff. But yeah, Um, what condition were the horses in?
1: Well, when we saw them, it was just junk. Mm -hmm. Some horses, you know, dead. The machines all. Now,
0: did you see much of the German civilian population either before or after the war ended?
1: No. Well, uh, at the end of the war, Mm -hmm. we. Could go to town right. of town with stuff. We we saw quite a bit of the German population,
0: And in general, how did the German civilians seem to behave toward the, the Americans? Uh did they just stay out of their way or, or what did they do? They,
1: they kind of stayed out of the way, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Were there any uh, dangers of Germans after the war was in it still trying to take shots at you or anything like that? Were there still people
1: making trouble? No, I never into anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty quiet and dumb.
0: Okay. Uh, now, when you were in Germany and Austria there, once at, at, as the war ends and it's over, at any point did you visit any prison camps or concentration camps? Did you see any of that kind of thing?
1: Well, we, uh, I had the job of transferring those people from the campground where we were, mm-hmm. the SS troops. From that campground to another campground, and for some reason or other, they they assigned some Hungarian soldiers as escort.
0: hmm And the Hungarians had been on the German side during the war.
1: Yeah, but that was the funny thing. It was after the war, and of course, uh, they didn't like the Germans. Mm-hmm. The Germans didn't treat them too well. Right. And so they would want to stop so they could. Search the Germans and mm-hmm. see what they had in them. and and we, we we carried them from one place to the other in big trucks, mm-hmm. just like our, our big trucks with a, a cover over it, and mm-hmm. a bunch of them inside.
0: And then, did you drop off the Hungarians as well, and did they stay as
1: guards, or did you, they go with you, or what happened? No, they they dropped off and after it was done. And I don't know where they went.
0: Because mm-hmm. in the long run, they probably get repatriated or Yeah, I, mean, I actually had never heard of anything like that, of our using people who had been German soldiers for that, that sort of duty. Yeah. All right, so not, not something you're normally aware of at that point. All right, Now, how long did you stay
1: in Germany after the war ended? Well, the war ended in, in May. And, uh, yeah, and I didn't get out of there until the end of the a year.
0: Okay, so what were you doing all that time then? I and mean, you had some of this stuff working with the prisoners
1: early on. Yeah. But then what yeah. else? Well, there was a, it, we, They started dividing up people according to the number of points mm-hmm. they heard. And so there would be a number of people taken from Glendorf and sent to another and mm-hmm. some others sent here. And we got all shifted around then because of those, that right. police system. And And so, uh,
0: where were you in the scheme of things? I mean, did you have less points than a lot of people, or—
1: Well, I had the least points, because I did not have any uh, direct uh, uh, dependence. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been hurt. Right. And
0: so— And you were not a a rifleman or something like that up in the front lines. No. All right, so you kind of had to wait around a while. Now, were you assigned to different units? Were you moved out of your original battalion, or did the battalion stay together? No, but the battalion got all broken up. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, do you remember where you were when the word came that you finally got to go home?
1: No, I mean, we must have been in Austria at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, yeah. But we left, when we left them there, we left from the harp. Okay. The har- wait a
0: minute. The Harvest. Well, France. Yeah. But there are a lot but, of guys left from there. Or did they send you down to Italy and out that
1: way? Yes. Okay. We went down and went out through the lower part and mm-hmm. up, up through the… You kind of
0: cross the Alps yeah. and go into Italy and then did you leave from southern France or from we, Italy?
1: We left from…
0: From southern France. Okay, so Marseille or someplace like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, and that was again on the Liberty ships.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, how was the trip back? Was that better or worse than the way over?
1: Well, oh, it was a little better because you didn't you didn't do much jogging around and mm-hmm. stuff of the kind, you know. But uh, eyes a lot of guys got sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we did have our group had a couple guys that were working in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So they bring us back a bunch of crackers, mm-hmm. and some of the time that's, we just ate crackers. Too. Right. So we didn't get sick. Didn't get, we would go out on deck as much as possible, fresh air. Okay. Now once you got back uh, to the States,
0: uh, then what did you do?
1: Well, it was pretty short order that uh, we, were, we were discharged. Mm-hmm. And so there was not much time in between the time we got back. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, and then you're discharged, and you went back home to Michigan at that point? Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, how long before you got married? Well, I was married in uh, April. Okay. And then what kind of work did you do once you were back? I went to work for Consumers Energy, the electric power. Mm hmm. And did you stay with them for a long time, or did you change jobs? No, no I stayed there for thirty years. All right. Okay. Uh, are there other particular events or things that happen to you in your time of the service that tend to come back to you that you haven't mentioned to us here yet?
1: Well, we had some close calls sometimes. Mm-hmm. We had a, a shell. We were ready to move out, pretty near ready. The guys were having trouble getting a, the gun hitched to the mm-hmm. tractor. And they called, and I, I went to help and got it done. And But a shell slit probably, oh fifteen 15 feet away from us but it didn't explode. Mm-hmm. It plowed into the dirt and never exploded. But a 155 shell would do a lot of damage even at 50 feet. Uh, yeah, but that was, that was not a 50. OK, that was a 75? That was probably one of the 88s. Oh, a German yeah. shell. German shell. OK, yeah. it dud. All right. Uh,
0: Now, to look back on the whole thing now, how do you think your time in the service wound up affecting you, either the way you see the world, or look at life, or anything else like that?
1: Well, you didn't really see the world as it is, Mm -hmm. you saw it as a junk pile. Mm -hmm. I never was bothered by much of anything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't didn't mind, I knew that somebody had to be over there and and that I was probably the one to go. Mm -hmm. And in my own family, I was the first one to go and the last one to get home. Mm -hmm. But uh, my brother, I met twice, once in the United States and once overseas, and my older brother, the younger brother went to Hawaii, Mm he was there all the time. And my brother-in-law was got in late, and was got injured early, mm-hmm. so he was there for a short time. But he had pretty bad injury. Mm-hmm. He had shrapnel in his back a year after, I mean, not shrapnel, but cloth from his mm-hmm. clothing, yeah. uh, a year after he got home that the steel had to be taken off. Mm-hmm. He had quite a time. All right. Do you think on the whole thing
0: it was a positive experience for you or just something that you did and got done and then you just went back to your life? Or?
1: Yes. I, I think it was just something that you had to do or somebody had to do. All right. Well,
0: thank you for coming in and telling us about it today. Okay. okay. The preceding program is copyrighted by Grand Valley State University. Visit us at gbsu.edu.